If we can't talk to each other, we're not gonna make it. Sometimes I feel like I, I've been on more than I can chew. Most of the time, I work in a glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. A face full of glass hurts like hell when you're in it. That's weird. That glass looks half full to me. Eating glass. Eating glass is staring into the abyss. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? It's kind of part of our culture to eat glass. Gotta get some safety goggles next time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to Chewing Glass, the show where we talk to developers building in the Solana ecosystem. Today we have with us Stranger, um, former developer at Metaplex and currently working at Genesis Go, which is a Web3 infrastructure and cloud storage provider. Uh, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Um, so the way we usually start this show out, just to get to know a little bit about you and how you ended up where you are today, is uh, we're going to ask, how did you... like? What's your what's your sort of journey um, in general? So, like, how did you get started in software? Because I've seen you around on Twitter, and it's probably been about a year and a half now. Um, so, just curious to know, like, how how you even got into software in the first place? What that what was that like for you? Um, to be honest, I'm kind of like a late bloomer. Uh, I didn't get my first engineering job till I was 27. Um, I was a Spanish teacher, and I started um, on my lunch breaks doing free code camp and learning JavaScript. And then I moved to New York City, and I was interested in doing a boot camp up there, taught myself some Ruby, got accepted. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't work out at the time. Um, I ended up pursuing the boot camp route, ultimately, uh, when I lived in Columbus, Ohio. Did a Java boot camp, um, did exceptionally well there. And I found my first engineering job here in Jacksonville, Florida, Right after graduation, um, the boot camp was about three months long. Um, took me about a month after graduation to get that role. Um, there, I transitioned from a Java developer to full stack um, JavaScript engineer, Node and React. Um, and it, that company was called Availity. Um, they're based here in Jacksonville. That's kind of what brought me down here. Um, and then I started in grad school uh, about 2020, fall 2020. And that's when I got um, more interested in like cloud services and, you know, beyond basic Web2 programming. And that's kind of everything leading up to uh, my time in Web3. Oh, wow, man. That's a short stint just to, uh, <laughs> to get here. Uh, so you took the boot camp. So your software experience, like in general for learning is like boot camp model, right? Yep. Extremely it hands on. Yeah, I mean, I wish I would have actually had the opportunity whenever I'm a pretty much of a I'm a pretty much a crypto boomer at this point. I had to go for four years to learn how to to basically do code. And like, I wish those they did. They didn't really exist whenever I started. So that's pretty sweet. Um, and you uh, so you started I actually started out with Java as well. Did, did you when you got into the full stack stuff where you have a did you have a, a favorite whether you were into the Java side or like the JavaScript sort of client side stuff? Ironically, I hated JavaScript. Um, <laughs> my co my company was using like Angular one. Oh, um, I used Angular one. I know yeah. all about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I hate this. This is awful. Um, and then once I kind of switch over to like React, uh, teaching myself on my own, um, I grew to love JavaScript and hate Java. And then the rest of my time at my previous company, Availity, um, I was a JavaScript engineer. 
it grew on me slowly, <laughs> painfully. But <laughs> I think I think you're going to have a lot of uh, people watching the show that have that same general sentiment. Although some of them probably still hate it. Uh, so so beyond that, after you uh, you started working like in software, like what actually brought you into to crypto uh, in the first place, or like when and like what got you into crypto? Uh, actually, in college, like 2011, um, and my buddy in college, you know, was talking about Bitcoin, um, early investor in Bitcoin. So I've Ooh. known, yeah, I've known about um, crypto for a long time. Um, I never really had, you know, enough extra funds to really go all in. Um, Did you understand it? Like, Did you know what it meant at the time? No. <laughs> no, it, it all seemed very like I might go to jail. Um, so, you know... I was like, I kind of want to like have this, but like, I don't really know like what's going to happen. I was, well, it, was cheap. it was cheap. It was cheap back then. So yeah, I guess it was cheap. And you know, I, I could have at that time got in for, you know, pretty cheap and done well for myself now, but it just, it seemed really technically complex and I wasn't quite there yet. I'm sure if I really tried, I could figure it out, but I was also very scared of, you know, clicking in the wrong link and like, okay, now something bad is going to happen. And the feds yeah, are at the, my door. <laughs> the good old, the good old days of the internet. Um, cool. So you, you like, you knew, you knew about Bitcoin like all the way back in 2011, but like still in that, yeah. in that same time, whenever you weren't like even into the coding side yet, did you like continue to invest in crypto throughout those years? Was it like gap time? Did you like get back into it? Like whenever the bull market of 2017 started or something like that, pretty much like I did. Yes, actually. Um, so again, I wasn't like, you know, super baller in 2017. I was going to my boot camp, but, you know, I did have ETH 2017. Uh, I was definitely paying attention. Um, I didn't get very far with it um, just because I was not, you know, in a good career at that point. But yeah, I, I kept up with it. You know, I paid attention to it. It was nothing. It was just kind of like from the outside looking in, like I wanted to invest, but I couldn't. Um, but yeah, I remember when ETH, the boom in 2017 happened. I was like, oh my God. I was texting my friends. I was like, you know, like, invest now. Like, <laughs> like what is this? Um, and, you know, Bitcoin was, I forget the price of Bitcoin at that time, but ETH was a little bit in my price range still. So I, I invested a, a little bit. Yeah, it was my first investment too. And kind of like fell off until, you know, <laughs> I'm good. People are going to shade me for this until the Dogecoin, uh, you know, pandemic boom. Okay. <laughs> and that's when I came back and was like kind of on the internet, crypto Twitter present. I was like, oh, okay. These people are talking about crypto. <laughs> and then yeah. and that's whenever it started. Cool. So that's, yeah. That's interesting. So you you started to pop around on the on the Twitter sphere around the time that that Dogecoin started to go wild again. That was what that yep. was like mid twenty twenty one or something like that. I think so. It was still like stimulus check time, and people were just like blowing money, blowing their stimulus checks on crypto, and kind of I guess kick maybe that kicked off the bull market. Um, but you know, at that I've been on Twitter since my a senior in high school, two thousand nine. So discovering that part of twitter and that i was consistently seeing uh, crypto trends i was like okay i'm getting in the conversation with people networking with people learning a little bit more yeah so you got onto twitter when people would just write things like walking my dog going for a run oh. and and then you get yep. on there and it's like yo buy my monkey jpeg for a hundred thousand dollars 
Yep, exactly. Like <laughs> Britney Spears follows me on Twitter. That's how early I was on Twitter. That's a pretty like, nice claim. I'm serious. Claim. That's a pretty nice claim to fame. I'm, sh- I'm sure she has no idea, but uh, <laughs> she she does still follow me. I checked the other day. So Dogecoin, stimulus checks, you're 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 into it. Um, so what actually ended up leading you? So when you're still working in software at the time, what actually led you into like finding out like Solana, um, and, like like and actually more so along the lines of like this this is something that might be interesting for me to sort of explore actually like writing code on like what like how did that happen for you so it actually kind of came from cloud computing um nader dabit i like he's one of like my biggest inspirations oh we did a podcast together with him or as twitter spaces i remember now yeah. So yeah, he's was always a huge inspiration when I was in my cloud computing class and you know, I was searching AWS things. I found him and you know, I started replying to some of his tweets, um especially with, you know, AWS Amplify. And then, you know, all of a sudden, at that point, I was like I want to be like a cloud infrastructure engineer. I decided wanted to go from JavaScript engineer to cloud infrastructure. And um, then all of a sudden he left AWS and he went to, like, I think the graph, um, Edge and Node or something. And I was like, oh, my God. And then he started putting out (laughs) all of these, you know, tutorials and content on ETH, of course. But I started taking a look. I was like, this is actually not as hard as I expected. Um, You know, I expected getting in and learning crypto development to be very intense and something way above my skill level. Um, Once I started breaking down, going through these tutorials, I was like, ah, okay, I think I can do this. Um, And then BuildSpace came out. Um, So once BuildSpace came out and they had, I think it was like, there was two ETH tutorials. There were nothing Solana at the time. Um, I started going through those. um, And at the time you had to do 48 hours all in a weekend to get the NFT of completion. So I would spend my weekends, you know, pouring over it to finish it. And then Nader Dabit posted a tutorial of Solana and Phantom. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. He actually, the I'm funny sold. story is like Nader, like I had reached out to him and I was like, yo, um, would you be interested in doing anything on like Solana? And he was like, I'm actually already working on something right now. And I was like, hmm. Let's talk. Um, so we talked for a while, and then he put out that DAP scaffold tutorial, and I was like, yep. this was in the days when all we had was our core documentation, and I was like, thank you. Finally, somebody does something that is an easy-to-follow tutorial just to get people a little taste of how to build on Solana. So it was a super important piece of the early days of this, and like we, we got to thank Nader Dabba for getting that together for us. Yeah, I mean, once he put out that tutorial... I I was hooked. I was like, I don't care about ETH anymore. Like, let me learn everything I can about Solana. Yeah. And then like mentioning BuildSpace, then like, like I got reached out to by Farza, who is the, the, the CEO of of BuildSpace was like, Hey, we want to do something on Solana. And I was like, let's go. Um, and then they put out their first like ship a D app on Solana as well. And like, that was like a really that was a, a time when I wasn't sure how the hell we were going to get enough content. And then like all these web three 
people like Nader and Build Space started to produce content and and help um, ecosystems get that out there. So it's really cool to hear that 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 was your entry because I don't always get to know how people got into it, especially at that sort of like onboarding level. So it's awesome. And then so like now that we're on that level, like walk me through it because my memory serves me correctly. In the very beginning of me seeing you around was you just constantly asking questions on Twitter about how to do things in Rust. And, all, and all, I think this was even like before you even really got into Anchor, I just like remember pretty vividly you being like, how do I do this? How do you do that? And you were getting answers from people on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, I mean, that's completely right. I just, you know, I didn't care about what people thought about me if I, you know, didn't know the answer. Um, I kind of put myself out there in the women in NFT discord saying, I could do your NFT drop. And I'd never done an NFT drop for anybody. Um, I did, you know, stuff for myself, test candy machines. This is before the build, but this is before build space had the candy machine tutorial. Uh, the only candy machine docs at the time was, I think Levi Korg wrote a, um, some kind of tutorial. And that was like the only piece of evidence out there of like kind of how to do it. Um, and at that point, it was still like really complicated and there was a lot of things that could go wrong and it was expensive. Um, but I did get a bite. Uh, somebody was like, hey, uh, I want to launch on Solana. Um, I want you to do my drop. And I was like, OK, here it goes. I'm going to like do free <laughs> freelance work for the first time. Um, and it, it went really well. Um, the project did not do well, but, you know, I executed as a freelance provider for the first time. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, and through that, you know, I started getting familiar with the Metaplex code back when everything um, was mostly JavaScript. Uh, Sugar did not exist yet. Um, you know, and I hadn't even learned Rust one little bit. Um, but I would take a look at the Rust code and be like, oh my God, what is this? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, one day. Um, so then, you know, eventually I went to the Metaplex party in New York for NFT NYC in 2021 in November. And shortly after, um, probably December 2021, January 2022, I was uh, talking with them about being a community engineer. Um, and about, I was, I was in grad school, I was doing freelance work, I was a community engineer for Metaplex, and I was working my full-time Web2 job still. Um, so I was pretty busy, uh, but I was really kind of hell-bent on moving eventually towards a full-time role in Web3. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So you just kept grinding at it. Like, Explain to me, whenever you sort of first started to get into Rust or even like using Metaplex in general, how bad or good, but probably not, was that experience? So unless you've literally looked at anything that's like, this is how to do this in Rust, Rust code looks super like crazy, especially if you are coming from JavaScript. If you're coming from, you know, a familiar language um, for systems programming, probably doesn't look as scary. Um, but for me, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I, this, what is this? Um, so to look at the Metaplex contracts back then, I just kept to the JavaScript side. Um, whenever I was a community engineer at Metaplex, um, and we started, Sam, uh, Vanderwalst started writing sugar CLI. Uh, that was kind of my community engineer work was to help him work on that. And that's the first Rust that I ever wrote. Uh, I read about five chapters of the Rust book and I was like, let's start writing. Um, you know, I probably shouldn't have read more. 
but I think that I learned best by doing. So, you know, I was in there and I was like finding myself able to, you know, write this function, write that function, understand what was going on, um, get basically the core concepts down. And from then I was like, okay, I'm going to be a Rust engineer. That's like what I want to do. That's awesome. So like that experience at the time, which is obviously known as chewing or eating glass, just learning the Solana programming model and com- add, and, and like combining that with also learning Rust at the same time was like very painful for most people. But like that was also there was there was no indexers. There, there was there was no real infrastructure outside of RPC services like flash forward really briefly to today. Like how different is that experience? Because we have so many new things that are being built out there. And your experience, like as you're writing code today with all these different things, like how much easier is, is life improved on the developer experience? side? God, like 100x. You know, I used to feel like I would put something that's, you know, why I ended up asking questions on Twitter a lot because, you know, I Google and there's no results. Um, but if I was still working in web two right now and I had all of the resources out there and, you know, I could just study in my free time, um, you know, five o'clock hits, I study web three and I had all these resources available that they're, that are out there now. I would totally be like way more 10 X than I am right now for sure. Yeah. And probably like a higher likelihood of like conversion of younger developers, because I'm sure a lot of people got turned off. Like you, you are like, I'm doing this. Not everybody is like, sort of has that conviction and probably were like, you know what, I'm going to go to something I'm more familiar with. So it's nice to hear that it's, that, that it's improved a lot. I think I saw Noah Prince talking about yesterday, like how easy his life has become using like combination of like Helios and Triton and some of these different tools to do deal with nfts that are just like now all i have to do is like almost nothing and i get everything i want so like now that we're in that world it's it's pretty awesome to hear um so you were i guess the next thing is like after that you actually did get an opportunity to join the metaplex team um and we'll talk about yes. that briefly so how did that even happen you so you were like a community engineer for metaplex and did you did you start being like yo give me a job for real or did they like <laughs> hey like get over here how'd that happen i think if i recall correctly um the coo at the time wanted me to join full-time and i was like no i'm not quite ready yet um Community engineer is what's best for me right now. Um, and I was basically the sole JavaScript developer at my Web2 job. Um, so I did everything. And, you know, I was like, I asked basically, can I have a higher role at Dev3, Dev2 to Dev3? And um, they said no. And I was like, okay. So I went to Metaplex and I was like, I'm ready to go full time. Awesome. And um, they, they were like, sure. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'm like, you know me, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I actually remember whenever you like announced that you were moving over to Metaplex. So it's super exciting for me to just like see people that have just hung around, like getting roles in this ecosystem. Like that's like for me personally, just like the coolest thing ever to see people just decide to jump in, grind it out for however long it takes, whether it's six months or two years, and then eventually be like, Yo, I can't believe it. I finally got a job here um, uh, in this in this in this space. So, so you were there for a while, and what what did what did you actually end up working on while you're during your time at Metaplex? I ended up going to the protocol team, and a lot of my time was spent um, on the read API. 
Um, but before that I was working on various contract fixes and, um, you know, not, uh, not huge commitments, I think, because I was probably more of a junior rust person, um, junior salon engineer, I guess. Um, but then by the end I was working on the read API, which was like, you know, that was probably at the time, some of the hardest programming I've done, um, you know, now I look back and I, I understand everything a lot more. Um, but that repo was an absolute beast. And I was like, you know, looking at, looking at it just from like a whole perspective, it's like, oh my God, um, scary on the outside. And then once you get in there and you start understanding the code, um, I felt a lot better and more confident in my Rust skills than ever. I mean, you hear that a lot, like diving in. The thing is, like a lot of people don't actually just do that. And and if more people would, they would probably start to realize it's not as scary once you sort of just dive in, start building, figure it out. Like the hand-holding stuff is great for, for very inexperienced people. But like you said, like it was intimidating. You even thought just Web3 and in, in general was intimidating until you go through like and just dive into some stuff. And you're like, hey, this is like this is a lot like Web2 in a lot of different ways. So you ended up leaving Metaplex, and then you moved on to working at Genesis Go, which, like you talking earlier about how you were sort of intimidated about te about technology. Well, Genesis Go is working <laughs> on some pretty, um, pretty deep, heavy, like technical work, doing infrastructure and cloud storage on Web three on Solana. So. Um, Tell me how that happened and and sort of just like whatever you want to about like what you're doing right now and like how that whole experience went. So I can't say too much about the actual technicality of the work um, I'm doing right now, but um, the, the things that are publicly available, um, I did the Shadowy Supercoder V2. I was working on that, um, still working on that, and now I am working on Dagger. Um, dagger docs are available. Um, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> so I'll just refer you guys to the dagger docs, um, and Frank's tweets from Genesis go. Um, what, what's the link for dagger docs? Do you have the, do you know the URL on your head? No, uh, <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll link it to you. I'll link it okay. to you, um, to put, to put in the comments. So basically, you know, I got laid off from Metaplex and I did like 35 interviews and two or three weeks. Holy um, shit. Extreme. Oh yeah. I was like absolutely <laughs> hustle grinding. I was like, you know, I got to get, I got to get it while the getting's good. Basically, um, you know, first to the market and, you know, not everything matches and, um, KV, KV cool. Actually, um, we collabed on like a fun weekend project. Um, you know, I was practicing building Solana programs and I was like, I, you know, what's something I could do to practice? I just want to be able to, you know, show future employers that I can do this, um, and that, you know, hire me basically. And, um, from that collaboration is how I uh, got the job at Genesis Go. Yeah, this is one of the things when people reach out to me or like, how do you get hired on Web3 or like in talking about resumes and like you're basically describing exactly the sort of grit that it takes to just literally get what you want. I tell this story very often that whenever I was like in another, I was an engineer for 12 years and then I went into Web3 and I was at another organization. And then when I realized I wanted to work at Solana, I just started DMing Raj and being like, look what I did. Look what I did. Hire me, hire me. And like they did. 
Um, so people need to realize that, and I had, I mean, it wasn't just, they hired me blindly. Like I had, I had worked on Solana and, and helped with the migration. So they got it, but people really who watch this show are new. If you're just discovering this, like go out there and just take what you want because nobody's just going to understand that you're the right person. Your resume goes into a huge stack, go write some code, go contribute to open yep. source code and go do exactly what you did with KV which is awesome. I mean, like, by the way, like, I love this guy. He's like incredible. Um, so that's, that's a really awesome story. Uh, it's probably still worth talking. I know you can't talk about whatever you're being very secretive about right now, but like, maybe it's still worth talking to, um, everybody about like shadow drive and, and what it actually is, because I don't think everybody listening to that actually knows what shadow drive is or like what capabilities that it's offers currently to everybody. From a developer standpoint, it's super cheap. Um, you know, you could store, God, you know, I don't want to say um, the wrong amount of storage here, you know, for probably like a penny. You could probably store a gig or more for, you know, a cent. Um, you know, you can encrypt, you know, it's linked to your wallets. It's not linked to, it's kind of, you know, almost like Dropbox or Google Drive. Um, but, you know, it's permanent storage. It's not going to go anywhere. Um and a lot of people are choosing to build on Shadow. We have a great community. We have a great stash of community engineers um, who are building products on top of it. You know, like website hosting on top of Shadow Drive. Um, you know, I think social media type of apps on top of Shadow Drive. Um, so I think that you know, this definitely trumps Arweave. Um, sorry, <laughs> but you know, I think that it is a little bit. At one point, you had to buy our weave tokens, and you know that's just a little bit cumbersome for some that's not widely available. Um, I think Shadow is way more accessible, um, and like you know, I think our community engineers built um, you know a UI for it. So even if you're not technical, you could go link your wallet, create your storage space, and just you know go crazy. Similar to just like how Google Drive works, like I'm non-technical, I can go set up a Google Drive and I can start like actually adding this like permanent storage files on my shadow drive on chain. Mm -hmm. So now we know your story, we know your journey, we kind of do this sort of little rapid fire round. It's not necessarily rapid, but like I want to hear because of your experience, like we, we've gone from like extremely bad developer experience because there was really just nothing available and not a whole lot of tools to learn from. There were no tools, very little content. We are where we are today, but like for you personally, what still sucks about Solana? Um, I still don't think that, you know, if I Google XYZ error, that there's enough content um, to figure it out. Um, sometimes I'm still, you know, in the dark for a long, beating my head against the wall, chewing glass, essentially, um, on these random errors, especially, um, anchor Two um, goes for the both of them. And I think, you know, combining that with, you know, I'm not a rust guru yet. Uh, a lot of times I'll find myself completely blocked. Um, you know, maybe there's like one answer and it doesn't solve it. And I'm like, uh, okay. You know, then you're really like in the trenches, and I think that it could slow you down. Um, there are plenty of educational content at this point, but, um, you know, I think that Googling a specific error is, you know, sometimes still, it doesn't quite get you where you need to be. 
Yeah, I mean, this is one that we hear a lot, and like it's it's obviously a challenging one. You hear it across other ecosystems as well, but like it's it's like not falling on deaf ears. I think it's something a lot of people are thinking about. Like, if you get an error and you don't know what it means, that's a problem because an error should actually tell you what's actually happening. Um, all right, let me ask you to give me one more thing that sucks on Solana outside of that one. I don't know. I love Solana. Um, <laughs> it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I mean, I guess like what's what's challenging because I'll, I'll just like bring something up. Like, there's been talk about. I think I saw something yesterday on like on Twitter where people were talking about like people don't understand. Like, Solana is so simple. It's like accounts. It's PDAs. It's this and that. But like people don't actually really understand how a PDA can be used. I've even seen this in the early days. They're like, okay, PDAs. They're like these things. But like, what do I do with them? Like, what is the actual like there's there's a ton of things that you can do with them and how they can be used but like maybe there's things like that that are just like not um very well understood by most people like did you have trouble figuring out how to use pdas oh of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean like i i was like i felt like the you know the dumbest person ever i was like you know why can't i get my head around what a pda is like what do i put in here to like make the seeds like what determines what goes in here to you know, make the seed. It's like, oh, whatever you want. <laughs> um, you know, you, not literally whatever you want, but, you know, to make it, I guess, the higher chance of being unique. Um, and, you know, maybe that's still the wrong explanation. But yeah, for sure, PDAs was a extremely tough topic for me to wrap my head around for a long time. Um, and I think that if you jump into Solana without ever reading about the account model and structure, um, you're going to have a bad time. Um, <laughs> South Park uh, gif insert here. Um, so, you know, take the time and read about it before you, you know, think about what you're programming and it will help you write code um, the more you have that knowledge whenever you're thinking about what to write next or how this interacts with that. Um, account storage, um, that could be, I think, also a little bit confusing um, for people based off of, you know, dynamic sizing or how much do I need or why do I need this much? Um, what's the driving factor for, you know, the cost to size ratio. So cool. So now that we got that out of the way and talking about all the negative sides, so like outside of the like obvious things that everybody says, like it's fast, it's cheap, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what do you love about Solana sort of on the development side of things? Like what, what, what is it for you that makes you love it so much? What's good? What's great about it? What's good about it? Um, I think like once you sit down and learn everything, the programming structure just makes sense. Oh, okay. Everything's an account. Okay. I know that now. And you know, once you sit down and learn anchor, and you read through the Anchor docs. Oh, okay, Anchor's cool. I like Anchor now. Um, so it's like you have to give a lot, and then it kind of becomes easy. Um, but it's not just going to come easy. You have to put in the work, take time to learn. Otherwise, you know, I feel like you're kind of flying blind. Um, and I think another thing about Solana development that I love is uh, the engineers love developing on Solana. Um, you know, people love developing on Solana. I, you know, I don't ever hear people as bullish on developing ETH. So um, to me, that's, you know, that was attractive. People were like, okay, yes, let's put out all this cool stuff on Solana. What can we do with it? Um, how can we stretch the bounds of what can be done with Solana? Um, what's the craziest things we can build? 
um, like the Pokemon game on Solana. I was, I was like, that's cool. Who like, <laughs> how did you think of that? You know, stuff like that, like pushing the boundaries um, because you can, you can't do that on ETH. It's just, it's, it doesn't work in my opinion. Solana, you could do almost anything fast, yeah. quick, cheap. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. And I, I see a lot of people out there that like, we see a lot of the same stuff. We see a lot of NFT projects and DeFi and don't get me wrong. These are important, like base layer elements of any ecosystem, but it's really important to start thinking about what can Solana do that no other blockchain can do right now. And like, let's do that stuff right now as like, but you also have to think about is this a feasible thing that's going to get users as well, unless you're just building some tooling and stuff, but pushing the bounds of is really going to be important over the next few years. And I think we have a lot of people around here that are starting to be like, I get it. I think I can do this really wild thing on here and it's going to work. And, and hopefully we start to see more of that. So we're going to wrap this up. The questions that I normally ask everybody before we end the show um, and just from your own perspective, like you have a pretty unique journey from like how you started to where you are now and just like take all that into consideration and just somebody that's thinking about building on Solana a little bit hesitant or just like really not sure, like maybe sort of just like just doesn't know if they can do it. Like what's your advice to that person? Ah, just do it. Uh, insert Shia LaBeouf <laughs> gif here. Hey, um, we're not. Nike's for, not going <laughs> to let us like share this episode now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just get in there. Like, just explore. I mean, you know, you're not employed yet, so it's okay for you to be bad and mess up. Um, you know, connect with people on Twitter. That's. I just started commenting on people's things, and that they would follow me, and I was like. You know, maybe I was annoying for some things, especially early Metaplex day. I was like, why does this candy machine stuff not work, you know, all over Twitter? And I was just like so frustrated. But, you know, eventually people took notice of me and, you know, I was trying to do things and, you know, there were errors, unexplainable errors. And I was just trying to get information. Um, so don't be afraid to reach out to people, um, especially people that are writing these co the content and tutorials that you're looking at. Um, they probably would love to talk to you because, you know, they love to educate. Otherwise, they wouldn't be making content, um, you know, especially if, you know, they find that their content wasn't as clear as maybe they intended. But just don't be afraid. I think that, you know, whenever I was doing those tutorials on ETH, I didn't feel as strong of a connection to the ETH community on Twitter. Um, but I kind of felt uh, immediate connection once I got into the Solana side. I felt that people were, you know, nice and open. Um, and they cared about Solana and they wanted to see Solana do well. So you can say it like everybody else does came for the tech, stayed for the vibes. Every guest pretty yeah. much says that in some, in some form or another. And like, we'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, but anyways, thanks for joining us. Stranger. Um, and yes. this was a really great episode and I'm glad we finally got to do this. So, all right. See you next time. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Thank you.